0: This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm Larry Cohen, the head of Ringler's Northeast operations, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, in recent years, there's been a rise in lawsuits against the increasingly popular ride sharing companies. Uber and Lyft are currently the go to ride share providers in cities and towns across the nation. Women have filed lawsuits against ride-sharing companies alleging they've been sexually assaulted, harassed, or even raped by their drivers. Today we'll talk about this growing legal topic, the ride-share company's response to allegations and litigation, and what needs to be done to guarantee the safety of the passenger. Today I'm joined by my friend and Ringler colleague, Manny Valdez, from Ringler's San Diego and Los Angeles, California offices, as well as his office in Las Vegas, Nevada. Manny's been in the structured settlement industry for over 20 years and with the Ringler since 2002. Welcome to the show, Manny. Great to have you back on board as my co-host. I love it.
2: Good morning, Larry. I'm happy to be on here again with you.
1: Terrific, terrific. And our guest today is attorney Laurel Simes, founding partner of Levin Simes Abrams LLP in San Francisco, California. Laurel specializes in rideshare assault cases as well as mesothelioma and pharmaceutical cases. She has the largest verdict in a California single plaintiff mesothelioma case, and one of the few successful verdicts against Laurelard Tobacco Company. That sounds like a great record there, uh, Laurel. Welcome to the show.
3: Thank you, Larry, and uh, and good morning to you and, and Manny as well.
1: Terrific. Laurel, your firm has represented numerous clients in lawsuits against these ride-sharing companies. Give us a, a few examples of the allegations that uh, gave rise to these cases.
3: Well, these these types of incidents fall into a few patterns that keep on repeating themselves. Um, there, on on one end of the scale, it's it's verbal assaults and unwanted comments, dirty talk, things of that nature. That you know that I'm sure I, uh, you're probably familiar with, uh, saying things to, to the passenger that she doesn't want to hear. She's stuck in the car with them, uh, maybe even locking the doors down and not letting her out of the car when she when she should. Or things of that nature and then it goes on from there. Um, many times there is that you'll be out with friends and you'll get into a, 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 one of these cars and you might fall asleep in the back seat and wake up to find the driver all over you and of course this is very unwelcome and very horrifying or, or worse that they've done something to you or are in the course of doing something terrible to you. So all different forms of sexual assault as you can imagine. Um, Another thing that happens is the driver acts fairly reasonably during the drive. Um, might say a couple of things you're not thrilled with. The person, the passenger, is feeling not great. They went out for a long evening. They're tired. Um, they maybe had too much to drink. And the driver will offer, will say, "Listen, Laurel, uh, well, you don't. You seem a little unsteady on your feet. Let me walk you up to your door." And you're like, "Oh, all right. Now what could that hurt?" That's not, no, that could hurt a lot because then when they get to your door, then they're going to force their way into your house by either talking their way in or asking if they can come inside for a moment for whatever reason. And then, you know, things will unravel from there and all hell can break loose. Um, another thing that that happens less frequently but is very frightening is that the driver will see that the person is not, not, is pretty intoxicated and not really able to sort of like think, think that well for themselves and maybe they've fallen asleep in the back of the car or something of that sort, and the driver will take the passenger off course to his house or to maybe some abandoned parking lot or, or area like that. And then let's say we have one case where um, the driver took the woman to his house, frog marched her upstairs to his to his flat, um, flung the door open, and the furniture was covered in plastic. And She thought, this guy is going to kill me. Um, He didn't. He did rape and sodomize her. He didn't kill her. Um, She pleaded for her life, and he took her um, home to her house, finally. And um, she decided, should I just take a really hot shower and try to pretend this never happened, or am I going to call the police and and,
1: and do that? Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, it takes guts to do that. And also it's it's created um she's a single mother and she has a teenage son and you now he knows about this and he was just he's just gone off to college and he's afraid for his mother and it's changed their relationship and she's it, she's ruined for being with other men. She's completely, you know, turned away from that. And um of course the man she was involved with you know broke up with her and, and you know, it's a skating situation. So I mean every, everybody has different reactions to being physically violated and
1: and we, we see all manner of that no no question about that you know you know you you raised an interesting point there with the concept of the driver taking the passenger to a location or to even to his place is there is there not a, a, a something electronically that tells when the passenger leaves the car or where the car is going that would give rise to some you know evidence of, of where that that all happened or, or does it have to rely on uh you know someone physically talking about the incident itself
3: no there there is a way to do that now, and they have they have that in their in their their safety toolkit or whatever but you know the the other thing is um sometimes people sometimes passengers um I'm sure you're aware of this will say, "Oh, you know what um my friend is telling me that we're not meeting there, we're meeting someplace else, and they'll change the ride or they'll say actually I don't want to go to my to my apartment, I yeah. want to go over to my friend's house you know and so it's not as completely obvious as it, as it, as you otherwise might think it is, but of course, it's there's no reason. For example, for someone let's let's say it's at the passenger's house. There's no reason generally for a driver to go up to a passenger's house and be inside the house for ten, twenty, thirty, forty minutes. Right. Why would they be doing that? That's exactly, far too long to help someone bring their their um, suitcase upstairs. You know, and I I don't know about you, but. Uber drivers don't generally bring people's suitcases and whatnot inside their houses. I'm, sh- I'm sure they might if you ask.
1: Them, houses. Right? I'm lucky if I get them to, to give it to me on the curb get for the airport. The yeah. Get it out of the car. <laughs>
3: right.
1: All I know is if, if you exactly. know, Manny's probably like I am, if, if the Uber driver helps me with the bag, I might tip him. If he doesn't just sits there, I say, well, sorry, pal, but uh, it's crazy. Manny, go ahead.
2: There was uh recently there was an article that was put up by uh, NPR that was addressing some of this rideshare litigation. And, um, uh, in that article it stated that your firm had, had uh, received about over 150-ish calls um, from women that were claiming that they had been allegedly assaulted by rideshare drivers. Can you expand on that for us?
3: Well, at that time, I, I, actually I was on that show. Um, and that was with Madeline Brand out in Los Angeles. And that was we now are up to hundreds and hundreds of, of active, open cases, files that we're investigating um, by various women all over the country. And many here in California.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because you know you once you get a uh, a reputation of defending and prosecuting cases like this, and defending your clients, uh, either either you know pursuing the claims against Uber and Lyft, et cetera, or becoming an expert in the field. Obviously, uh, you get approached by an awful lot of people who need your services. So that's, uh, that's a good thing. And, you know, you, you, you probably see that coming off of this uh, this show as well, as people learn more about what you can do for them. Well, you know, in some cases, Laurel, it's been revealed that these rideshare companies allegedly knew about sexual assaults involving some of their drivers for many years. Uh, they had the knowledge, but how did they deal with that knowledge?
3: Honestly, it was all, it, it has been all over the place. Um, they're now making more of a concerted effort to stop this, and really, it has to stop. It's a public safety issue. But in the past, I think that the responses given to the passengers were—they were all over the map. Really, they, there's no there was no consistency. There was no systematic approach to dealing with this, and there's been no warning really of the public until the recent the recent article that, that I'm sure you saw. You know, the, the report from Tony West, which um, which I think was uh, the right thing to do, and I think that. Um, that it would be that. That all rideshare companies should do something like that. Should face this head on and figure out how how to stop this and what safety tools can be used, and and really take a proactive approach. Um, you know, as, as you said earlier, um, Larry, that this is you know ubiquitous. People, everybody uses these, these rideshares, and there has to be safety. There has to be more safety. Um, there's there's things that they could do. I think I think we could talk about um, monitoring the ride electronically um, by with a camera in the car and 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 uh, recording it. That would certainly deter almost anyone from doing something that they know that they could be held accountable for later with the police or yeah. otherwise or be.
1: Nothing. Noth- uh, yeah. Nothing like having uh, a set of eyes on you, whether they're mechanical or or whatever. It's uh, it always helps dissuade you know bad actions.
2: Yeah. It, it seems like you know they they. Clearly didn't think about all these things that could happen going forward when they initially launched the company. And I think, being a technology company at heart, there are a lot of tools at their fingertips to 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 manage, you know, anywhere from the hiring process to you know when these when these rides are actually happening. But what can you tell us about the hiring and screening process? That the ride-sharing company drivers have compared to those that the taxi cabs have, um, and are there any regulations that are are they are they looked at differently uh, between the two?
3: Well, yes, that's that's a really good point, Manny. Um, they do not do nearly the type of screening that is required of of a, of a cab of a, by a cab company and for cab drivers. And for example, there in most states there there are no fingerprints and and taken or anything of that nature. And what really bothers me the most is that they don't do any sort of interviewing. They don't, I mean, as you pointed out, these are technology companies that could do some sort of um, Skype interview. How long would that take? I understand you cannot interview every single driver um, in person. That would simply be wildly impractical. However, what would be wrong with having an online um, multiple choice test asking questions to determine whether or not this person should even be driving anybody around on the public roadways and having a short interview with them, asking them about their views about certain things, like when is it all right to touch one of your passengers and things of that nature. Um, I think that would be very helpful. And, um, and Manny, that's, that's, a, that's a point that's brought up frequently. And so what I say to that is that, um, that they don't check them real hard on the way in and they don't keep an eyeball on them once they're out driving for them on the road.
1: Well, that's, you know, we're going to, yeah, we're going to find out a lot about uh, what they're doing, hopefully, in the screening process that's going to be improved based on the litigation that you've you've filed, and hopefully they'll learn some lessons from that. Well, let's take a quick break right now, but we'll be back in just a minute, right here on Ringler Radio with Laurel and Manny. We'll be right back. This is
0: ringler radio brought to you from ringler the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions did you know that ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved everybody wins There's a Ringler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler advisor nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler Advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. Visit RinglerAssociates.com to learn
1: more. Well, Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and along with my co-host, Manny Valdez, we're speaking with our special guest, attorney Laurel Simes, founding partner of Levin Simes Abrams. In San Francisco. Well, Laurel, in a statement on the Lyft website, the president and co-founder said, today we're taking further action toward our goal of making Lyft the safest form of transportation for everyone with some new initiatives. And the chief legal officer of Uber said, because we cannot alone meet all the safety challenges, we're already working with law enforcement officials, road safety organizations, and gender-based violence prevention experts to innovate new approaches. So it appears that the companies, uh, Laurel, are certainly aware of the problems here and are trying to address them in some way. What do you think of the actions they're taking?
3: I think the actions they're taking are a step in the right direction. This has to stop. This is a public safety issue, and it's something that we just can't, as a society, tolerate. People have to be able to get into the back of a car and feel an, a measure of safety in getting a ride home, you know, whether it's from the airport or out at night with friends, or you're coming from a restaurant, or you're going somewhere, you can't be feeling that it's an unsafe situation to get in a car that you're paying for the ride. You want to feel that you're in safe hands, and I think that these companies will, are now taking this seriously. And I, I do think that um, litigation has, has brought this to a head, and that we will see more and better changes being made by these companies. I think they realize that they're they're in a situation they can, they have to act.
2: You're you're right on, Laura. I mean, safety is absolutely the number one priority when it comes to passengers um and with with all these these lawsuits um on rise and and uh the, the allegations and claims um what have ride sharing companies done thus far to protect passengers i know we mentioned you know maybe some cameras and and screening but what types of actions are they really taking at this point
3: i think on their i think now on on their apps when you get into the car for example you can click on as, um, well, as we were talking about before the show started, you can click on sharing your ride with a friend. You can click if you feel unsafe. You can hit something, and that can that can get you connected with nine one one. There are things that now they're doing; they're implementing these things, and they have implemented these. This is a, a process, but they I, I'll say it again. I think they need to have the rides recorded. I think there needs to be audio and visual in the car, and I think that would deter almost every single one of these incidents. The other the other situation is that. It's also for the driver's safety. Sometimes passengers attack drivers, and that's why I think it's really important that these rides be recorded.
1: Well, I think I think just as much as passengers may attack drivers, and drivers may obviously attack passengers, sometimes passengers could also make a false allegation against the driver, and therefore the camera and the sound would be uh, pretty good evidence, wouldn't it? I mean, I think I think all of us have to be wary of of the world today that we live in, and uh, I think having more Technology to really be the be the true evidence of what happened is is never a bad thing.
3: Absolutely, and, and you bring up a good point. It's for the it's for everyone's safety, not just for the passenger's safety, to have these rides recorded, and it's really important. Which also brings up a practical point um, that really goes back to what Manny asked a moment ago, and that's to implement many of these features, you need to have a Charged up cell phone on you. You can't when you go out at night. Don't let your phone be down at two percent. It just causes all sorts of problems. Um, call your own car. Try not to have a friend call it for you. That way, you that way you're you're in charge of what's going on in the ride. I think those are just those are simple, but practical things, but they're really important. Having your fully charged phone is is very very important. It's a number one. Not falling asleep in the back of the car if you can help it. If you if you're really tired or you've had too much to drink. You just try. Just you have to try and stay awake? Maybe call somebody while you're, or or be texting while you're while you're in the car to keep yourself alert. Depending on how long your your ride is, um, I think those are just simple practical things. Or like we were talking about about your wife; she's sharing her ride now with you.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and and, and as we we've, we've all heard so tragically, uh, making sure you get into the right automobile when when oh you know, yes, you know we've, we've
3: seen those tragic stories in the news, and um, there are you know predators out there. Who you can buy a sticker on the internet and slap it on your car, and you can pretend that you're that you're a Lyft or Uber driver. And so that's why it's really important to determine that you're getting into the right automobile. And and of course, as you can imagine, late at night, waiting outside, um, freezing cold outside of, outside of some nightclub, you might you say, oh, there's a car, It must be mine. You run up to it and jump in. Sure. It's not a wise thing to do.
1: Sure, a- absolutely. You know, we understand your firm, Laurel, is asking the court in California to allow multiple law firms to consolidate their cases into one court to expedite the litigation. Uh, Is that a fact? Tell us about it.
3: Yes, that is. Um, We have petitioned and have been uh, granted um, the right to have um, our cases consolidated. It's called uh, JCCP, which is Judicial Counsel Coordination Proceeding, and we're going to be assigned to a judge here in San Francisco although cases from all over the state, uh, we work with people in San Diego and in Sacramento, other law firms, um, all of our cases and anyone else um, will be in front of that one judge. And this is, this is a thing that is done when you have a single defendant or a small, you know, a single defendant, and you have a number of, of people who have the same types of complaints against that single defendant. It helps to keep things, judicial economy, keep things, keep things organized, um, prevents duplicitous rulings or crazy different rulings all different, at different courtrooms and when and when there's depositions um you know we don't want to have 75 depositions of, of of one person let's just have one or two depositions of this person or three or whatever so it keeps things organized and under control
1: that speaks well for the efficiency of the system and hopefully uh, people will get resolution a, a little quicker
2: what do you at the end of the day what do you hope to come from the litigation against these companies and could this all have been prevented if drivers were properly regulated and action was taken by these companies?
3: Well, our our goal, honestly, is that this is that this gets under control and that safety measures are, are and implements really bring this kind of litigation to us to a halt. That we get done with this. That we figure out a way to solve this problem. And this is up to the companies to, to implement. They're big companies. They've got they've got a lot of talented people there, and they should be able to figure out how to solve this problem.
1: Thank you very much. Uh... About that, Laurel, I think you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's really a change of of just a change of attitude, a change of uh, procedure, a change of, of emphasis on on who's becoming the driver, what kind of character the individual have. Maybe they'll start doing things like you mentioned about fingerprinting and other things that might be uh, with cameras and sound. All of those things. Uh, I just want to emphasize that all of those things are only going to come about because of the work you've done on these cases. Which bring all bring that attention to the issues that uh, that give us all concern. You know, Laurel, we're talking about some of the uh, some of the bad bad things that happen in some of these uh, rideshare vehicles, but I think we all have to admit that the vast majority of the folks that dr- you know drive Ubers or drive Lifts are are great people. They they have everyone's best interest at heart. I mean, I've even had some of those folks charge my phone if I you know if I needed it. Uh, they've 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 done a lot for us, and they're they're terrific people. So I think we we do need to make mention of that.
3: Oh, a- absolutely. The the vast majority of drivers are are perfectly normal, decent people, just trying to make a living, you know, and and that's it. It's a it's really it's re- it's really unfortunate that there are that there's a dangerous subset of those drivers, and that's a fact that has to be dealt with. But the vast majority of them are are totally nice, normal people. I agree with you.
1: So with that. Laurel, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that?
3: Well, our firm is Levin Fines Abrams, LLP. We're in San Francisco, California, and you can just go to our website and uh,
2: and and meet us that way.
1: Terrific. And uh, Manny, how about yourself, if someone wanted to contact you?
2: Yeah, I think the same way. Um, just accessing online at the uh, ringlerassociates.com uh, website can uh, get you access to me.
1: Terrific. And I know, uh, Manny, they'll find your picture in that website, so they can recognize you and move forward is that true yeah, it was about 10 years ago but uh, we'll have to <laughs> yeah i, I, I do <laughs> think, used to look like, i do think you need to update that picture i think it's uh you know. <laughs> all right terrific and of course if any of you want to learn about any ringler associates around the country go to the website com. it's got a tremendous amount of information about all kinds of issues litigation issues and uh, claims for for lawyers and claim people uh really, really terrific. And it's updated all the time. And of course, on that website, you can also find all of the Ringler radio shows, of which there are hundreds. Uh, You can also find Ringler radio shows on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or on iTunes, where you can download and listen at your leisure. So with that, I want to thank you very much, Laurel, for uh, all the great information you gave today. Uh, You did a great job. Thanks for being our guest.
3: Thank you so much for having me on the show. It was really nice. Thank you
1: very much. Terrific. And Manny, thanks for being a great co-host.
2: You got it, buddy. Thank you.
1: Terrific. And for all the rest of you out there, go have a great day.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit RinglerAssociates.com
2: today.